Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved. Good to be with you, dear ones, at the beginning of this month of the Most Holy Rosary. Uh, If we ever have been committed to pray the Rosary, this should be the month. We are four days away from the beginning of the Amazon Synod, a synod which threatens to, in the words of uh, one or two bishops, Um, make such drastic changes that the church will never be the same. And from everything we've read, they are um, drastic in the negative. Um, I have a very wonderful interview here. Uh, Edward Penton is a magnificent reporter with the National Catholic Register, and he had an exclusive interview with Cardinal Seurat, Cardinal Robert Seurat, Um, who is the Prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship and Discipline of the Sacraments. He is a holy, holy bishop. In the cover of our last, most recent newsletter, I have his book pictured, The Day is Now Far Spent. Um, He also wrote God or Nothing, which was his own story um, uh, to growing up in a Catholic home in Africa and to the priesthood and to being made a cardinal. And then he wrote uh, The Power of Silence, and now this. The day is uh, now far spent. Um, This is a magnificent interview, and um, it's titled Cardinal Seurat's Cri de Cour, Cry of His Heart, the cry of the heart of this magnificent, holy, faithful, orthodox, courageous prelate. It says the Catholic Church has lost its sense of the sacred, and he attributes everything to that. I'm going to read from this magnificent interview and article as we head into the Synod, because this is his heart, and it's, I think, the heart of those who are faithful in the Church. Cardinal Robert Seurat has said that the Synod of Bishops on the Pan-Amazon region, being a regional assembly of bishops, is not the forum to discuss priestly celibacy. And you know, beloved, that's one of the items on the agenda. It is not the forum to discuss priestly celibacy, a subject that is unbearable for the modern world because some Westerners can no longer tolerate this scandal of the cross. I, I think you and I are, most of you and I are included in this. We To, to tolerate one more scandal, one more defect from the holiness of our church, from the faith. The subject is one of many. The prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments discusses in this exclusive September 13th interview with Register Rome correspondent Edward Penton, including the reasons why he decided to write his latest book, The Day is Now Far Spent, which was published by Ignatius Press. Cardinal Seurat addresses the current crisis in the church and society and believes it is driven primarily by atheism, 
not placing God at the center of our lives, as well as a prevailing wish to impose personal opinion as truth. Those who announce revolutions and radical changes, he warns, are false prophets, not looking out for the good of the flock. The Guinean cardinal, comes from Guinea, New Guinea, the Guinean cardinal also explains why Africa's grace is to remain a child of God, discusses the positive and negative effects of liturgical reform, and says a demon wanting our spiritual death is what makes some prohibit mass in the extraordinary form. I'm going to reread that. Um, He discusses the positive and negative effects of liturgical reform and says, a demon wanting our spiritual death is what makes some prohibit mass in the extraordinary form of the Roman rite. Quote from Cardinal Seurat, how can we not be surprised and deeply shocked that what was the rule yesterday is prohibited today, he asks, and he urges a move away from dialectical oppositions. Now, I, you know and I know that Pope Benedict um, allowed, uh, without any permission from any bishops, the extraordinary mass to be, uh, mass in the extraordinary form, uh, the Latin mass to be celebrated by any priest without any bishop's permission, but still today, bishops prohibit that against, they are going against the church and the Holy Father to do so. So the interview begins now. Edward Penton says, asks of Cardinal Seurat, what is the primary concern you want to convey to readers in your book, the book that's titled, The Day is Now Far Spent? Cardinal uh, Seurat answers, don't misunderstand this book. I do not develop a personal thesis or academic research. This book is the cry from my heart as a priest and a pastor. I suffer so much, he says, Cardinal Seurat says, I suffer so much from seeing the church torn apart and in great confusion. I suffer so much from seeing the gospel and Catholic doctrine disregarded, the Eucharist ignored or profaned. I suffer so much from seeing the priests abandoned, discouraged, and witnessing those whose faith has become tepid. Cardinal Seurat continues, the decline of faith in the real presence of Jesus Um, in the Eucharist is at the heart of the current crisis of the Church and its decline, especially in the West. We bishops, priests, and lay faithful are all responsible for the crisis of faith, the crisis of the Church, the priestly crisis, and the the de-Christianization of the West. George Bernanos wrote before the war, Quote, we constantly repeat with tears of helplessness, laziness, or pride that the world is becoming de-Christianized. But the world has not received Christ, non pro mundo rogo. The world has not received Christ. It is we who received him for him. It is from our hearts that God withdraws. 
It is we who de-Christianize ourselves. Miserable. That's taken uh, from a book that was written in French, Scandal of the Truth. Cardinal Seurat says, I wanted to open my heart and share a certainty. The profound crisis that the Church is experiencing in the world, and especially in the West, is the fruit of the forgetting of God. Beloved, even within the Catholic Church, and I should say especially within the Catholic Church, how often have I said, what do we need to do to evangelize the world, to live as if it's true? But Catholics, we Catholics, beloved, don't live as if it's true. We don't take Sundays as our special day. We shop. We go to restaurants. We don't dress modestly. We don't live our morals without compromise. We don't live as if it's true. If our first concern is not God, then everything else collapses. At the root of all crisis, anthropological, political, social, cultural, geopolitical, there is the forgetting of the primacy of God. As Pope Benedict XVI said during his meeting with the world of culture at the College uh, des Bernardines um, on September 12, 2008, quote, Searching for God, the fact of being attentive to the essential reality of God is the central axis on which all civilization and culture is built. What, this is still Pope Benedict XVI speaking, what founded, what founded the culture of Europe? The search for God and the willingness to let oneself be found by him, to listen to him still remains today the foundation of every true culture and the indispensable condition for the survival of our humanity, for the refusal of God or a total indifference toward him is fatal for man, end quote. Cardinal Seurat says, I have tried to show in this book that the common root of all current crises is found in this fluid atheism which without denying God lives in practice as if he did not exist. Beloved, I, I can't, I don't want to resist commenting on that. I've said before that I do not blame the media for its attack, so to speak, on the Catholic Church. I do, if it knew what the Catholic Church was, it wouldn't attack it. But the fact is that Catholics go to church on Sunday a great majority, and live during the week as if God doesn't exist. That's what it's saying here. Catholics are the atheists because divorce in Catholic circles equals divorce in non-Catholic circles. Abortion, the rate of abortion among Catholics equals the rate of abortion among the world. The evil is equal. Why be Catholic? Why be Catholic? If Catholics lived as Catholics, the world would be changed. But we don't. It's the greatest tragedy in the world. Cardinal Seurat says, In the conclusion of my book, I speak of this poison of which we are all victims, liquid atheism. It infiltrates everything, even our speeches as clergymen. It consists in admitting alongside faith, 
radically pagan and worldly ways of thinking or living, and we satisfy ourselves with this unnatural cohabitation. This shows that our faith has become liquid and inconsistent. The first reform to be made is in our hearts. It consists in no longer making a pact with lies. Faith is both the treasure we want to defend and the strength that allows us to defend it. This movement, which consists of putting God aside, Cardinal Seurat says, making God a secondary reality has touched the hearts of priests and bishops. That's what I'm seeing, beloved. I know many of you are also. Priests and bishops speak as if God is not supreme, as if the faith is not true, or they keep silent as if it's not God's revelation for us to live. God, Cardinal Seurat says, do not, does not occupy the center of their lives, thoughts, and actions. The life of prayer is no longer central. I am convinced, he says, that priests must proclaim the centrality of God through their own lives. A church where the priest is no longer carries this message is a church that is sick. The life of a priest must proclaim to the world that God alone is enough, that prayer, that is, this intimate and personal relationship, is the heart of his life. This is the profound reason for priestly celibacy. Cardinal Seurat continues, beloved, the forgetting of God, and we say, well, we don't forget him. This is talking about those who forget God. This is talking about priests and bishops who lose the faith, who cover up homosexuality and, and, and financial um, dishonesty and all that. It's not for us. We're true Catholics. No. No, we're not. Not if we go to church on Sunday and anything comes before our family. We're not true Catholics. We let our daughters go to school dressed as prostitutes. Our mothers dress in what I used to, we used to be underwear for us when we were children. Men come to church in thongs and shorts. It's awful, beloved. It is absolutely awful. At the root of all crises, uh, we, we said that already. Let me see where we were. Um, oh, I lose my place. What founded the culture of Europe, the search for God and the willingness to let oneself be found by him, to listen to him, still remains today the foundation of every true culture and the indispensable condition for the survival for our, of your, our humanity, for the refusal of God or a total indifference toward him, is fatal for man. I have tried, Cardinal says, I have, Cardinal Seurat says, I have tried to show in this book of his, the day is far spent, I have tried to show in this book that the common root of all current crisis is found in this fluid atheism, which without denying God, lives in practice as if he did not exist. And I think most, most Catholics live that way, beloved. And I think if we live that way, we do deny God. Even if we don't deny him verbally, we deny him by our actions. 
and actions, as we know, always speak louder than words. In the conclusion of my book, Cardinal Seurat says, I speak of this position of which we are all victims, liquid atheism. It infiltrates everything, even our speeches as clergymen. It consists in admitting alongside faith radically pagan and worldly ways of thinking or living, and we satisfy ourselves with this unnatural cohabitation. I think I'm rereading this. This shows that our faith has become liquid and inconsistent. The first reform to be made is in our hearts. I'm sorry, I'm just rereading this. It consists in no longer making a part with a pact with lies. Faith is both the treasure we want to defend and the strength that allows us to defend it. This movement, which consists of putting God aside, making God a secondary reality, has touched the hearts of priests and bishops. And some priests and bishops would say, well, how do I make God a secondary reality? How do I do that? Maybe by not, maybe by keeping silent. Maybe by caring more about your reputation, your popularity, your approval rating. Maybe for fear that the Holy Father will place you out of uh, public contact. I don't know what. But that's putting God aside. If you put anything first, you are another Christ. If you put anything, priest, bishop, cardinal, pope, anyone, you put anything, anyone aside from your priestly duty of being another Christ, you are putting God aside. God, Cardinal Seurat says, does not occupy the center of their lives, thoughts, and actions. The life of prayer is no longer central. I am convinced, Cardinal Seurat says, that priests must proclaim the centrality of God through their own lives. A church where the priest no longer carries this message is a church that is sick. The life of a priest must proclaim to the world that God alone is enough. That prayer, that is, this intimate and personal relationship, is the heart of his life. This is the profound reason for our priestly celibacy. The forgetting of God finds its first and most serious manifestation in the secularized way of life of priests. Oh, everything I read here is an affirmation of what grieves me no end. Priests walking around without their clerics living in their own apartments, making themselves unavailable, going days without celebrating Mass for the faithful because they need a day off. They may need a day off, but they still have to practice Mass. They still have to celebrate Mass once a day. Why not celebrate it with the faithful so the faithful have Mass? It's um, it's a scandal to me. Um Cardinal Seurat says they are the first to have to carry the good news priests. If their personal lives do not reflect this, then practical atheism will spread throughout the church and society. I believe, says Cardinal Seurat, that we are at a turning point in the history of the church. Yes, the church needs a profound and radical reform that must begin with a reform of the way of being and the way of life of priests. The church is holy in herself, 
but we prevent this holiness from shining through our sins and worldly concerns. It's awful to me to see a priest throw his vestments over his khaki pants and sneakers to say Mass. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. It is time, this is my statement, not Cardinal Seurat, it is t- but I guarantee you Cardinal Seurat would not do that. It is time, Cardinal Seurat says, to drop all these burdens and finally let the church appear as God has shaped her. It is sometimes believed that the history of the church is marked by structural reforms. I am sure that it is the saints who change history. The structures then follow and only perpetrate, perpetuate rather, the actions of the saints. Now Edward Penton asked Cardinal Seurat another question. He says, the notion of hope is a fundamental element of the work you do. Despite the grim title of the book, now the day is far spent, despite the grim title of the book and the alarming observations you make about the state of our Western civilization, do you still see reasons for hope in our world? That's the question put to Cardinal Seurat. Do you still see reasons for hope in our world? And the Cardinal answers this. The title is dark. The title of his book, The Day is Now Far Spent. The title is dark, but it is realistic. Truly, we see the whole of Western civilization crumbling. In 1978, the philosopher John Sr. published the book, The Death of Christian Culture. Like the Romans of the 4th century, we see the barbarians take power. But this time, the barbarians are not coming from outside to attack the cities. The barbarians are inside. They are those individuals who refuse their own human nature, who are ashamed to be limited creatures, who want to think of themselves as demurges, I'm not saying this quite, uh, correctly, uh, demiurge, without fathers, without heritage. That's the reality. That's the real barbarity. On the contrary, civilized man is proud and happy to be an heir. We convinced our contemporaries that in order to be free, we must not depend on anyone. This is a tragic mistake. Westerners are convinced that receiving is contrary to the dignity of the person. However, civilized man is fundamentally an heir, H-E-I-R. He receives a history, a religion, a language, a culture, a name, a family. He receives this. Refusing to join a network of dependency, inheritance, and filiation condemns us to enter the naked jungle of competition from a self-sufficient economy. Because he refuses to accept himself as an heir, man condemns himself to the hell of liberal globalization. Let me say this, because, I'll repeat this, because he refuses to accept himself as an heir, that he receives all. The scriptures say, what do we have that we haven't received? Because man refuses to accept himself as an heir, 
man condemns himself to the hell of liberal globalization, where individual interests clash with any other law than that of profit at all costs. However, Cardinal Seurat says, the title of my book, the day is now far spent, the title of my book also contains the light of hope because it take, it's taken from the petition of the disciples of Emmaus in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 24, verse 29. Stay with us, Lord, for it is nearly evening. We know that Jesus will eventually manifest himself. Our first reason for hope is therefore God himself. He will never abandon us. We firmly believe in his promise. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the Holy Catholic Church. She will always be the ark of salvation. There will always be enough light for the one who seeks the truth with a pure heart. Do you hear that, beloved? The gates of hell will not prevail. They sure seem to be prevailing. And I think it will get a lot worse before there's any sign of hope or light. But we do have hope because it is the church that God will lead into all truths until the end of time. It is the church against which the gates of hell will not prevail. It is the church for which God gave his life. Nothing has changed. It's just that the enemy knows the end of the end times is coming near, and he's tripling, quadrupling his efforts to destroy the church, to destroy faith, um, to bombard us with every debauchery uh, there is. But the gates of hell will not prevail. The Catholic Church is the church our Lord founded, beloved, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Cling to Christ. Cling to the truth and the faith once delivered to the saints. There's the music for our break, beloved. You won't be able to call in. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. I worked in pro baseball for a long time and we play on Sundays. And it was an easy excuse. I took the easy out and just didn't go to Mass. Got caught up on that whole selfishness, that whole, you know, um, I can do it all. The times when I was struggling were the times I needed God the most. And now that uh, I've come back and accepted God, my world has completely changed. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. The Station of the Cross invites you to join us each day for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. The Liturgy of the Hours is the daily prayer of the Church and is made up of readings from sacred scripture, writings from saints and theologians, and small reflections. 
For details about each hour and more information about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. We hope you'll join us for this daily prayer of the Church each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Station of the Cross. Welcome back, beloved, uh, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, this, uh, as you may already know, is a pre-recorded program for you. Uh, fresh, brand new, brand new material, brand new uh, answering your emails. It's just that we cannot take your calls today, um, but we certainly can take your emails uh, at mother at the station of the cross.com. We have an email from someone who. Um, is named Brother George, and he says, Dear Mother Miriam, why is Jesus not sending me Catholic friends at church? I have been looking for 30 years at church. I am 48, someone to go to church with, sit with, and go to lunch with, and talk during the week. I am a Catholic street preacher. I live, I give out prayer cards in the city. My dear brother George, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I really don't know that. Um, normally, the way to um, to get friends is to befriend somebody, to befriend them, to reach out. And it may be that you can go up to someone at your church or others and, and say, you know, I'd love to have lunch with you one time. Can we get together? I'd love to talk with you. Uh, you know, if, if we don't wait to be approached, but we reach out, uh, it, 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 it sometimes works out really well. Others may be just as shy as approaching us as we are of approaching them. So I, I don't know why. Um, but again, um, you're doing a good thing by giving out prayer cards in your city and speaking to people, that's wonderful. Um, maybe you have joined uh, groups in your church. I don't know, but maybe there's a some form of apostolate of outreach in your church that you can join and get to know other people. So um, I don't know that, but uh, maybe talk to your pastor and see if he may have an avenue for you to connect with other people. Um, we have an email from David who says, Dear Mother Miriam, I'm 18 years old and have recently been listening to Catholic radio in order to get in touch with my faith. Occasionally I hear your show. I think it's great. Catholics get the chance to hear the perspective of someone in religious life. It's a great thing you're doing. Um, Okay, thank you, David. He continues, This morning I was listening to your program and heard you say that universal health care was socialist. Now, I don't know if I made made that statement. Universal health care by itself was socialist. I think it's being proposed by those who have a socialist agenda. To be honest with you, he says, I get, I got a little mad hearing that. I agree that socialism, socialism is something to be condemned. However, I wanted to share my opinion based on research I have done that universal health care is not socialist at all. I don't, I don't know that I said it was socialist, uh, David. Uh, by itself, I don't believe universal health care is socialist. Um, David says, as far as developed countries go, the U.S. alone is not having a public health care system. The U.S. alone in not having a, health, a public health care system um, he says countries with universal health care include Austria, 
uh, Belarus, Croatia, Czech Republic, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Iceland, Ireland, Italy, Luxembourg, Malta, Moldova, Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, Romania. Oh, he's got a whole bunch list here. Um, uh, Russia, Serbia, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, Turkey, Ukraine, United Kingdom, and he doesn't even say Canada here. Notice that the list includes every very Catholic countries, including Ireland, since 1977. Of course, Ireland is no longer Catholic. Italy since 78, Spain since 86, Brazil since 88. Italy is a lot of things, but socialist is not one of them. Also, the majority of the countries with these types of systems are allies to the U.S. and were on our side during the Cold War. These are capitalist democracies, not socialist dictatorships. David, I I don't know where that comes from, that I would say that universal health care is socialist. Again, uh, there may be aspects of it um, that uh, are not good, um, and they may be uh, being proposed by those that have a socialist agenda. That doesn't mean that it is socialist necessarily. David goes on to say many respected U.S. historical figures advocated universal health care, including Presidents Truman Kennedy, Senator Ted Kennedy. Um, They were not socialists. In fact, their presidencies are defined by their efforts to fight communist ideology worldwide. I, I have to say that's debatable, David. I agree with you wholeheartedly that socialism violates the rights of man and is contrary to the will of God, but I felt the need to tell you that, in my opinion, a government providing health care for those in need is not socialist at all. I just wanted to show you that many capitalist and devoutly Catholic countries have implemented such systems without turning socialist. Thank you, Mother reading my email. God bless you. Well, God bless you, David, and I appreciate your email very much. Um, I don't know how Catholic these countries are today in um, in in uh, 2019. Um, and again, um, the socialist agenda of our, our, our party preaching socialism, most of the left, uh, does not mean that Universal health care itself is socialism. Um, there is uh, to to abandon private health care, to dictate certain things um, may feed into socialism, but by itself for a country to take care of the health care of its people is um, I cannot say that's necessarily socialism. I'd have to look into it a lot more to see what we're proposing um, versus what uh, other countries have at the moment. Um, I'll end it at that. I lived in Canada, and I I know that it's universal health care, and the government takes care of it. Um, How well that happens, um, what what, uh, control we have in a socialist system of government over abortion, over uh, euthanasia. See, it's a very difficult situation. You have to look into that. And if we have no say, except to be under a health system that 
agrees that provides abortions and euthanasia, uh, assisted suicide, all of that, um, then it's an evil system. It, it, so again, it depends upon the system and the country. Uh, Greg uh, sends an email in. He says, I do not have a specific book. Oh, okay, there's the music for our second uh, break, beloved. Um, we'll be right back. And again, you won't be able to call or text during this program, um, but you can certainly email and you can text when we're back uh, live. This was pre-recorded live for you, so it's a new, fresh program, but not live for you to call in. Um, but do email at mother at the station of the cross.com. God bless you, beloved. We'll be right back. Have you ever felt insignificant or unworthy of God's love? In the Gospel of Matthew, our Lord reminds us that even all of the hairs of our head have been counted. Each and every one of us, at every stage of life, is valuable to the kingdom. Human life is sacred. Think about it. Coalitionforlife.com LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living. There's no better way to start your day than with spiritual formation from inspiring priests as they preach the gospel in the midst of your busy life. For details about upcoming episodes and for podcasts of past shows, visit thestationofthecross.com and click on Sermons for Everyday Living under the Programs tab. That's Sermons for Everyday Living, weekdays 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, uh, you are welcome to send your emails in this. I got a little confused a minute. You can email at mother at thestationofthecross.com, but uh, we won't be able to take your calls and texts today because this is, though, a fresh program. It's, it's pre-recorded. So um, let me just see where we are. Uh, hold on now. We just responded to David. Um, 
And we have an email here from Greg who says, I do not have a specific question. As a new Catholic, I always loved the writings of Archbishop Fulton Sheen, St. John Paul II, Pope Benedict XVI. Now we have Pope Francis. I've been appalled by his words and actions. I am sure he is a devout socialist. Well, uh, Greg is writing this. We don't affirm that on the Station of the Cross or Live Site News or Mother Miriam Live. I'm reading Greg's thought here. After seeing you on television for the first time, I just had to write. I agree with everything you have been saying. We must be devoted to Jesus and Mary, not man. I look around and see the world leaving God in droves. Actually, Greg, you're pretty much saying what Father Sarah is is saying also. No prayer in school, killing babies, women's lib tore our families apart. Dads have left in drove because, droves because they do not have Jesus in their hearts. Climate change is the new God with most of our kids now. The public school is rotten to the core. Our government is so corrupt. Is the second coming soon? I hope so. I am ready. Well, I will tell you, Greg, I don't know if the second coming is soon, but I fear it because I, I praise God that you're ready, but most of the world is not. And I beg I beg everyone listening to turn from sin and repent and come to God because we don't know that we have tomorrow. And uh, Greg says, thank you for calling this out to the world. I will leave. I will not leave the Catholic Church. Good for you. Over this mess with the Pope and his following, I follow Jesus. I love the Eucharist. I die without Jesus, but I will live with him forever as a member of his flock. Yes, I am a sinner. But I know our loving Jesus calls to him when he, we pray and ask forgiveness and love others as ourselves. God bless your ministry. Well, God bless you, Greg. I agree with everything. I cannot uh, uh, echo your words that our Holy Father is a devout socialist. Um, I know it seems that what he's proposing fits, but uh, we we need to, you know, if... if uh, uh, if our our own cardinals and bishops um, uh, fear to say that, I fear to say it too. Uh, it, it does lead that way, but I won't say it's it's the case. But what is the case, dear David, is if one knows what the Catholic Church is, the depth of sin within the church, debauchery, um, crime, uh, falsehoods, would not cause someone who is truly Catholic to leave the church. If you know what the church is, you don't leave. When you leave because you've been abused, which is, I can't think of anything more horrible or anything else, it's because still you don't know that the church is the only path of salvation. And you allow those who have hurt you or taught falsely to determine your salvation. And you must not. You must not let anyone, be it a pope, a cardinal, a bishop, a priest, a friend, a parent, you must not let them, by their own um, evil even, you must not let them pull you from God and turn you from the way of salvation, which is the Catholic Church. Uh, you just say, get thee behind me, Satan, and you follow Jesus, just as Greg has said. We have an email from Grace who writes, Hello, Mother Miriam. I've been married for 29 years. 
for the past five years of my marriage, my husband met a woman who started out as a co-worker. Oh, I already hate the story. Oh, dear Grace. He since has lied to me about pretty much everything. I feel they had an affair or still are having one. He always denies it. After so many fights and him leaving our home and me accepting him back, he ends up starting a business with this woman, which I've never, which I never knew. He opened up. I don't know if it's the same woman. I guess it is. He's ended up starting a business with this woman, which I never knew. He opened up his own bank account and credit accounts, which I had no knowledge of. I have been a stay-at-home mom, and he pays the bills. When he comes home, he mutes his phone and never answers. Any call he texts, only when I'm not nearby. He's working from Monday through Saturday, and hours are early morning till 10 or even midnight on some days. We have two younger children, 3 and 14, boy and girl, and two adult kids, and a grandbaby. Oh, this is awful. What can I do? Please guide me. He stopped attending church and won't consider any type of counseling. He says he has no problem and he speaks to God daily, and this has been going on for almost five years. I pray, go to church, and attend the Blessed Sacrament. What else can I do? Thank you, and may God bless you. Oh, Grace, I'm so, so sorry. Um, If he worked from early morning, six days a week, till 10 at night, he can't have anything to do with the lives of your children, obviously. And it surely seems that he's living an immoral life. Absolutely. He has no business starting a business with a woman you don't know. He has no business opening bank accounts and silencing his phone and all of that. Apparently, he is living an immoral life. And um, it's pretty awful. And it's it's the five years. Uh, And he won't accept any counseling. Um. I I hope, I don't know if you've spoken to your priest about it. If he's a holy priest, he needs to come and talk to your husband. doesn't matter what your husband wants. He needs to come and talk to your husband. If your husband's not home, except for Sundays, let the priest come on Sunday. He needs to barge into your husband's life and have a conversation with him to save your husband's soul and your marriage and the soul of your family. He needs to do that. Um... I would go as far. Uh, It's hard for me to counsel you on this, Grace. If I were talking to you, I could ask you some questions. But um, it it seems that he needs to leave the home. You don't need to seek a divorce. There's no such thing as Catholic divorce. Don't seek a divorce. Don't do all that. But he's destroying your family and you and your marriage. And it seems to me that so to speak, he's having his cake and eating it too. I would, I think he needs to be put out of the house. Number one, he needs to be addressed personally by a holy priest and or by your bishop. Uh, and his evil needs to stop. And if he will not do it, um, he needs to leave home, no matter what that means. He needs to leave home. He needs to continue to support you financially, but he needs to leave your home and allow you to raise your children in a Catholic home. I don't know what your family is like. 
I don't know if you're teaching them the Catholic faith. Your husband's not Catholic. I, I, I don't know your situation, but that situation cannot continue to go on. So your husband must be confronted or he must be put out of the home. Um, and I can't go further with you on that um, because I don't know the situation, sweetheart. So if you can call and discuss it with me over the phone or email me personally um, and and write in the heading, this is not for public uh, reading, and I can take your email personally and answer some very personal questions that are not in this email, but he should not be allowed to continue what he's doing. You should not have to live with this any longer. Um, okay. Uh, we have an email from Paula who says, I go to a traditional Catholic Mass uh, that use only the Missal before Vatican II. My church is not part of the local diocese. My priests are mostly set of acantus, which means they are not uh, even of the Latin Mass. They are not of um, uh, the Roman Mass. Uh, they believe the seat of the Holy Father is set of acantus. They mean there's no pope on the throne. They say that the validity of the Novus Ordo Mass, as well as the ordinations of priests, are highly doubtful, if not at least illicit. They say that due to the disasters of Vatican II, the Catholic Church and all its sacraments have drastically changed and is now a new religion. It is no longer Catholic. The key elements of the Mass have been changed or deleted to make it more Protestant, and it is not a true Mass. Therefore, it is invalid and should be avoided, as well as the indult Mass, which is Vatican II, the Latin Mass. The recent popes, especially Francis, do not profess, teach, or promote the true Catholic doctrine or faith, so we are therefore not obligated to follow him or be a part of any local parish until God grants us a pope that will bring us back to the truths of the Catholic religion. What are your thoughts on this, Mother? Thank you for your response. It's a very painful situation, Paula, because I know many in your shoes that believe the same. But I believe it is in the Catechism explained, that is the Catechism of Trent, that says that the Church will never be without a Pope, you see? And so um, if the set of Acantus are correct, then it is Pope Pius X that was the last Pope. And they consider John Paul, Pope XVI, Francis, every Pope since then to be an anti-Pope, which means God is not true to his word, that he will lead his church into all truth and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I, for one, am not able to accept that. And so whether or not Francis is a true Pope or not, uh, whether Benedict XVI is still a Pope, um, I don't know. It's very, very, very difficult to say. Very, very difficult. But I am not able to say that the Novus Ordo is completely false or that the Latin Mass is not correct, uh, that God won't accept it. I, I'm in no position to say that, um, Paula. So I, I cannot go. I know people who believe as you do, but again, what about God's promise of leading his church into all truth to have 
this much time without a pope on the throne, I'd have to find the place in the catechism. The catechism explained that Father Ripiger um, promotes, that is the catechism of Trent. This would go against that. So I need to find that spot to say that there's no and has not been a pope on the throne. Um, those are my thoughts there, Paula. Um, we have an email from Jean who says, I am committed to an hour each week at Adoration for years now. There is a book uh, in the chapel called Total Consecration to Mary by Louis de Montfort. I have briefly looked at the book and decided to purchase it. It arrived the other day, but I have not been able to begin reading it. For some reason, I'm afraid I'm offending Jesus by consecrating myself to Mary and not to our Lord. I am attracted to the idea of total consecration to Mary, but I'm fearful. Can you give me any words of encouragement? Thanks so very much, and God bless you. Yes, 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 dear one. Um, this is not consecration to Mary. It's consecration through Jesus to Mary. Total consecration to Mary, Allah, St. Louis de Montfort, is total consecration to Jesus through Mary. You are consecrating yourself not to Mary, but to Jesus through Mary. Just as Jesus came to us through Mary, we go to him through Mary. He didn't hesitate to come to us through the woman he created. And we should not hesitate to go back to him through the woman he gave us as our mother and through whom he came to us. Um, And so, no, that consecration Total consecration to Mary is consecration to Jesus through Mary. That's what it is. You're right on, and you should go ahead with that consecration uh, in, um, in, uh, by Louis de Montfort. We have an email here from Priscilla who writes, Dear Mother, I have great respect for you. You speak the truth and report with honesty. I want to backtrack a bit to say that those who have been taught that the Novus Ordo is not valid. I'll never be able to support you in that because I don't know that's the case. Those who say that no Pope since Pope Pius X is not valid, uh, that the chair is empty, set of a cantus, there's no way, beloved, for me to confirm those things. So if you ask me those questions, I sympathize with you. I understand you. I understand what people have written, but there's no way that I can confirm that. No way at all. I believe that the Novus Ordo Mass is valid, that God would not have thousands and thousands of people since Vatican II go without a valid Eucharist. So that's the best I can do, beloved, and we will speak with you tomorrow. God bless you.